the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money invested in more. One of the questions I get is how much do I need for retirement? And there's no right answer. I wish there were, but there's not. And one of the questions that instantly thrown out there when you start asking of how much do I need and what should I do with is what do you have? Assets, liabilities, time frame, goals, experience. What? Tell me more about you. With housing prices being ecstatic and stock market prices being ecstatic over the last 30, 40 years, it's a pretty good time to have quote-unquote assets. Bonds, not so much. With housing prices currently at peak levels, a retiree could say, how much do I need? And I could say, well, let's take a look at your home. There's a little old lady. She's not from Pasadena, but she she's catty-cornered to me. And that home is worth probably a million and a half as a teardown, maybe two million. A lot is worth something. So if you're a retiree and you find yourself like not able to go back to work, that's a problem. Not having enough money to last till the day you die, that's a problem. You have to start being prudent and say, what else do I have? And sometimes you're going to look around and you're going to say, oh, I have a house. Invest in primarily home proceeds and saying, I'm going to come up with a, a portfolio that gives me some income. It's not a bad idea, but there's a lot more than just saying, hey, I heard on the radio I should sell my house and, and rent. Residential homes are a terrible investment when all factors are considered, especially in California. What I pay in property taxes in some states is rent. I pay in property taxes for 12 months, sometimes rent for 12 months. What I pay in income taxes. So if I were to flee the state of California and drop the property tax, sell the property, lose the income tax of California, lose the sales tax of California, whoa, suddenly I've got a much better lifestyle in retirement. If the retirees are elderly and proceeds from the home sales could pay for assistant living, it's not a bad idea. I've got, a, like I said, a little old lady from Pasadena lives on the corner from me. Some kids come to visit her. I think they're hers, but not very often. She's there by herself a lot. She's going to need assistant living at some point in time, like to take out neighbors, take out her trash for her because there's a pretty aggressive hill near her. So if you're going to maybe sell the house and say, you know, I need $100,000 a year, I'm 90 years old, and it's a million million and a half dollar house, you're not going to run out of money before, you know, unless you live to 105, which is possible. But then again, it's, it's an issue. Should you sell your home to fund your retirement? Some people, that's going to be their only option. Because there's not enough retirement income coming from their portfolios or their pensions or their social security. 
CFP Chad Burton and myself do a lot of seminars talking about income and retirement because we've got a budget in retirement. Even if you don't know what it is, you got one. Do you have enough retirement income? And that's when you start looking at your assets and thinking, what can I do? Should I sell my uh, Anchorman bobblehead collection? Should I sell my baseball cards? Should I sell my stock? Should I sell my bonds? Should I sell my car? Should I sell my house? Can you change your lifestyle is a big one. I know a woman in the Bay Area who was a fraud. Her and her husband basically pretended to have a little uh, startup company that was all that in a bucket of chicken. And they kept getting people to invest in it, and they kept living off of it. And uh, she went from living in Woodside to living in Phoenix. And that's, that's a lifestyle change. Could you imagine yourself doing that? So if you have a home that's worth, in the Bay Area, it's, it's easy to say 500000 to $2 million. You know, you can, for for a million dollars in profit, you can have bond funds yield you $36,000 to $50,000 a year in income. Now, again, that is something you probably used to pay for in housing costs. Now, you don't have that house, and that money could pay for a rent, and you're done. You don't have extra, you know, thoughts about it. So a lot of homework has to be done. Like, how much does it cost to rent? Are you prepared to rent? I used to listen to that song in the 70s. Even though we ain't got money, I'm still in love with you, honey. Do you have love in retirement? Because that's all some people are going to have. So I think it's one of the bigger questions out there. And I think it's one that people don't look at enough. Of What does retirement look like? And am I prepared to change? Because the little old lady across the street, I don't think in her wildest dreams... She thought, I'm going to get old, I'm going to lose my husband, and I'm going to stay in the house that he died in until I die, because I really don't have a plan. You know, as a society, we say things like, honey, if I die, I want you to go on and be happy with somebody else. But in reality, what happens is the person dies, and that's the person that, you know, we never get over. That's the person that we established our life with, our habits with, our ability to laugh with. So what are your plans in retirement? I think it's one of the bigger questions we should start asking ourselves. Maybe I'm having a a midlife crisis and I'm asking it out loud for for you to help me figure out what I want to do in retirement. I was sitting in a school meeting the other day and one of the administrators, I was like, I want to say, I'm going to work less. I'm going to be around a little bit more kind of thing. But you don't really want to say that out loud because once you do, it kind of makes it true. So it's out there. PIMCO picked Austin for the next U.S. office in the next big tech push. I would say it makes a little bit of sense to uh, look at Austin as a potential place that you want to invest in or as a potential place that has some upside. I'm not going to go all in on that story um, because I think there's some other good cities. You know, I think Seattle's played out. But it, 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 when does it, the ball stop spinning? We don't know. But Austin and Memphis, I get. Raleigh, I still get. Atlanta, I, I wildly get. Atlanta's got a hub. And businesses like that. So when PIMCO said that they're going after Austin for the next big office push, about 200 employees, that's a lot of houses. That's a lot of like uh, money coming in the area. And uh, I think PIMCO is right on with Austin. So I think Dallas is a problem. Not my kind of thing. 
It's just sprawl. So I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. If I have an event coming up, you can always use code RADIO25 if you haven't been to more than two events. To get in for free, RADIO25 at Rob Black Show. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Tell friends about the show. Podcast is out there under Apple iTunes. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Lots going on out there, right? Stock markets... um, tend to react favorably when you start mentioning trade wars abating Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, Steve Mnuchin. Is it okay just to say Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, or do I need to say his first name too? He was talking over the weekend, and he said that the United States was putting the trade war with China on hold. Stop the clock. Following last week's trade negotiations that reportedly yielded a pledge by China to buy more goods from the United States. In addition, the proposed $150 billion of tariffs on Chinese goods will be halted for now as the two sides continue to rabble, 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 rabble. And the idea here is, in my opinion, um, both sides want to look like they win. And it's kind of funny. And you kind of know, if you were to take a look at U.S. history as told through the eyes of England, they'd be like, those scoundrels took all of our f- our ships and our food and we set them up and they never paid us back. And the United States would be like, nah, you can have your tea. <laughs> kind of thing. Kind of thing, because we got tobacco. We got wacky tobacco in California. <clears throat> Ooh. So, anyway, no trade war, trade war. She loves me, she loves me not. This is just kind of politicking at this point in time. General Electric is going to merge its transportation business with WabTac. Is now the time to buy General Electric? Um, it, it certainly helps. GE is going to receive $2.9 billion in cash, and they're going to have a 50.1% ownership in the combined company. They still get control. Um but a little less so, right? GE needs the money. Elvis needs boats. We still don't know why Elvis needs boats. We're looking into that. Someone at the CIA or FBI wants to know. Elsewhere out there, Fifth Third Bank Corp is acquiring MB Financial for $4.7 billion. This is an interesting one because small banks buying small banks. Regional banks is probably the right way of saying it because they got more money than me and I ain't small. But um, 24% premium with higher interest rates, with rates rising, you know, you could buy a regional bank and you could say, wow, they got a lot of coverage in, in Texas and Texas is growing. Or, wow, they've got a lot of coverage in uh, New York and, you know, New York is pretty leveraged or New York is prone to slowing or you see what you can kind of pick your regions like houses are cheap in the in the South. So if you were to look at like the idea of. Uh, building as Americans go to where there's housing. There's probably a lot of good loans to do down there, and there's a lot of good loan investments to do down there. Elsewhere out there, 
there's a regional banking ETF called KRE. And um, it's a great way to follow the regional banks. And I like regional banks as a, as a, as a sector um, for the long-term patient investor. Regional banks is a sector for a play on the the world goes to heck in a handbasket. We're still going to be okay because small business will do business with small businesses. So if you think Trump's going to piss off the world, then maybe you go more like regional banks versus international banks. Lots of choices for you in the world. So the 10-year treasury also in the news at this point in time. Last week was a big old, big old move, and again, like the Jeffersons, I'm moving on up to the big old deluxe apartment in the sky. Higher interest rates are telling us something a little bit on the scary side. Higher interest rates are telling us a little bit on the scary side. You know what they're telling us? Housing could become a problem, because right now, we're, with the higher interest rates, you saw a flurry of refinancing last week. And that tells me a lot of people are in adjustable rate mortgages or short-term loans. And typically, you would expect loan and mortgage refinancing activity to be on the decline as rates move up. But as rates are moving up, the activity is picking up. And that's telling you that people are trying to get out of their low, super low payment through kind of an artificial, even though you want to own the house for your life, you're saying, I'm only going to own it for three years. Or it means that people are taking money out of their home, refinancing, and putting money into a car or a second home. or And those could be signs, maybe a business. And those could be signs of problems ahead. Problems ahead? No, I'm not going to do it. Trouble ahead? Never a deadhead fan. Never a deadhead fan. I know. Probably just. I probably just pissed off one hippie, and that's okay. Starbucks says out there today that it's okay. No purchases necessary to come and sit inside on the toilet. That's nice. Now, should Starbucks be a public utility and provide a toilet to the public? That's that's when you start getting into these questions of whoa. Because I don't know if I have the answer to that. I think grocery stores, places, I, I don't, it seems, let me tell you this. So I work at a radio station that, that, that leases or rents, leases probably. And um, there was a point in time where the someone who was homeless was basically sleeping in the restroom overnight, which is on one hand awesome. You know, a, a warm place, I get it. On the other hand, it, the, the restroom was pretty unusable for the tenants of the building. So the Ow. building landlords have to be out of their mind because who pays the rent? The tenants, right? So, and I don't know about, you know, again, Starbucks, is that, that's a pretty liberal policy to say anyone can use our restroom. No purchase, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no dice. Do you have to have shoes and shirts on to use the restroom? Like, does that, it's kind of gets kind of going, right? But then again, I know a lot of people are now going to Starbucks, and, and a lot of people are carrying cameras around now, trying to get into bad situations. But Starbucks employees are told to allow, follow company procedure in dealing with customers who might be disruptive. So they're throwing a little bit of something in there, right? I was going to make a Yes. Starbucks chairman, executive chairman Howard Schultz has already signaled the policy change at an event in Washington, D.C. So 
we're going to hear a little bit more about this and treating your customers right and treating humans right. It's a big thing. You may think that that's a throwaway issue, but if millennials perceive a company as good or bad, they have the purchasing power. Arby's may have the beef, but the millennials have the purchasing power. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. I always have events coming up. You can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free if you find one at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello, hello. One of the things that embarrassed me the most over the weekend was the royal wedding. And essentially what I decided to do was any mention of the royal wedding, I was going to instantly shut down and do my very, very best to uh, unfriend those people on Facebook. So if you posted that you watched the royal wedding, I did unfriend you. But... It did bring up a question, because everything brings up questions. How much money should you spend at a wedding? Now, first and foremost, I, I'm a big fan of elopement. So that's me, right? I, I find that people spend a little bit too much money on weddings, both throwing them and going to them. And then there's destination weddings, which is kind of another thing. And then there's destination weddings where you ask the guest to pay. You know, I won't lie. You know, I, I eloped on my first ma- my first wedding, and it was a disaster. I ended up, you know, oh, it set things up wrong. So maybe a wedding would have set things up right. But the guest list at the royal wedding was six hundred people, and everyone had to say to themselves, "How much do I spend? I don't want to look cheap, right?" Two hundred guests are invited to the private reception afterwards. Twenty six hundred members of the public were invited to the grounds of Windsor Castle. Now, if you're invited to the Windsor Castle grounds and you see Harry and Meghan get married, do you give them a gift? Essentially, if you get a parking space, do you give a gift? There's a lot going on there. How many royal stalkers were there that were arrested for this wedding? 160. People want to watch other people get married bad, right? It is the day that she is a princess. I do believe that some people get married to have that day of being a princess at least once in their life. And sometimes we can say we'll cut down on the wedding cost, but the average wedding, $35,000 roughly, depending on where you're doing in the United States, if you're doing a, you know, a big one. And you don't even get stalkers. The fun of stalkers. That's how bad people want to see the princess fantasy played out. So I saw friends of mine on Facebook admit that they were watching the royal wedding and having crumpets and like getting dressed up and you know oh my gosh she waved at us she waved at us i'm like no you're on the internet watching it you're you're not actually there and yeah yeah so how much should you spend it's a good question because remember when you're just coming out of college you're like i don't know 50 bucks what should i give them 50 bucks felt like a lot and then as you get older you're like you know, my, 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 my sister's kid just graduated college. Which, how much should I give him? I haven't seen that kid in 10 years. And you're like, 50 bucks seems cheap. That's not going to buy a book, right? Because of inflation. And, and as you get older, things inflate in your head because you're making more money. Americans are willing to go the distance to attend other people's weddings. And not, not me. Please don't invite me. 
please don't invite me. Because not only do I have to like give up my weekend or something along those lines, because watching you to say, I love this person. And in three years from now, you're going to be like, I'm divorcing this person. And I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to get really sad and drink myself into the bottom of a barrel. Uh, but Americans are willing to go the distance with their loved ones. And yeah, 53% of millennials are willing to go into debt. Now, that just that right there surprises me. I'm not in a position to dip into debt. But when I was, I certainly wasn't going to put a, a wedding on credit. I wasn't going to put a flight on credit. Or I wasn't going to put gifts on credit. And, you know, looking back on it, I, I don't like weddings at all. The food's never great, and yet it costs an arm and a leg. Trust me, I've, I, I give speeches and seminars, and th- that coffee and bagel or that coffee and donut, they, they charge an arm and a leg. What do you think they're going to be charging for a piece of, of bad meat? An arm. All you need to know is here's what you should give. If, if you think the meal's going to cost 50 you should give 100 No. That's silly. But that's, that's one of the rules of thumb out there. Keep in mind, rules of thumb are, are there to, well, be broken. Break that thumb. Now, rules of thumb are, are bad ideas. They give you a starting point at best, and things change over time, like inflation. Should you double the estimated price of the meal? No, because it's crap. Wouldn't it be better if, if when you're going to the wedding, if the, they give you a choice, do you want a power bar? Or do you want to and, and see the hotel or whoever would say, oh, you will not bring any food on the premises. You must use our vendors who are giving us a 20% kickback on top of the 20% premium we're charging you. So have a personal budget and figure it out. You know, uh, you could always do unique things like take photos, which some people really value a little bit more than that $50 gift card. Your gift should always be within your budget, in my opinion. You want to celebrate the big day, but not go in the red for you and hopefully for them as well. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about? We can talk about. Now, everyone always wants a stock pick. That's like a no-brainer, that it's going to go up. And you can't really say that because things change. You know, do I think Google's going to go up in the next three years? I do. Because of investments in the cloud. Because I think YouTube is an underappreciated asset. Um, I think, you know, their hardware concerns are po- are, uh, have pros and cons. But it does weigh on the company that, you know, the world looks at YouTube, underappreciates them. They see the investments in the cloud as expensive. And they see the hardware, like the phones, hit or miss. So additional CapEx and R&D is necessary to take advantage of a lot of what are considered greenfield opportunities ahead for them, like the driverless cars, Waymo, and Verily, their biotech division. Um, A lot going on. But if you give it time, I think they've got something there. One company I like that I don't talk about often on this show is, and people will ask me to talk more about companies, is, is Dollar General. I, I think they do a great job of, of profitable sales. I, I don't think it's sexy. I don't think it doubles. I don't think it flies. But I, I'm a little concerned on the higher interest rates and people refinancing homes right now because it's going to cause inflation, push rates higher, in my opinion. It should. We're seeing a lot of refinances. A lot of people in, who are struggling to make their mortgage and or a lot of people taking money out to spend it elsewhere. So... I like Dollar General, DG, ticker symbol DG. Do I like it for one year? No. 
Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on the show. I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, I take a look at something like a Philip Morris, and if you're expecting the U.S. to slow down, if you're expecting some inflation, if you're expecting a market that isn't necessarily golden, Philip Morris's position on the global economy outside the United States, they basically have 26% of the global cigarette market, if you exclude China. China's interesting. So their position for, for trends of, of dominance and if you own 26% of the Monopoly map, you do well. Unless you think that Monopoly world is going to go away and call it Cigaretteville, Cancerville, whatever you want to call it. I mean, these companies have survived being, being called out for causing cancer. You think Philip Morris is going out of business anytime soon? They make a product. We export cancer to foreign lands, essentially, right? Um, Thermo Fisher Scientific, stock I like a lot. Companies gaining market share in the world of labs tied towards pharmaceutical and academic. So they make the weapons that help. Well, not the weapons. I'm going to be very careful on how I say that. They, they basically make a lot of industrial equipment for healthcare, And they've got a ton of tools. So if your college is like, we just got a grant from Black and Black and Black, the three Black brothers, Rob Black, Dave Black, Pete Black. Um, so your, your university gets this big Black. grant, right? And I'm going to give them 20 bucks in said example. And they need to figure out what to do with that 20 bucks. They may go buy equipment. So they can come up with genetic coding or what have you. Um, J.P. Morgan Chase. I always like J.P. Morgan Chase, especially in a higher interest rate environment, where we're seeing IPOs fly off the shelf right now positive and negative. I think Microsoft has turned around their company and they've gotten away from the desktop very, very nicely. The desktop computer. And they've gotten in the cloud. So I think Microsoft is a good three-year investment idea. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. Do I think it goes up to a million? No. But I think you get better than market performance. And that's what you're, what, that's what I'm looking for. A company that I like a lot for the long-term patient investor, and I never talk about it on this show, Sherwin-Williams. Um, they, they, I'm not going to say they dominate, but they're pretty much so leveraged to the professional contractor. They've got aggressive store count expansions. Um, in my local neighborhood, there's a Sherwin-Williams where if I need paint, I'm going to go there, or I'm going to go to Home Depot and get more bulk paint. But I feel like the service that I get at Sherwin Williams is uh, higher scale than Home Depot. I'm not against Home Depot. I like both. But you get the idea. So those are some ideas for long-term patient investor or Prologis. They own warehouses. And a lot of companies, I'm telling you, they're storing stuff in warehouses and delivering it to your house. They're not storing it in stores right now. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. I try to mix in content from sometimes stock ideas to investment ideas to retirement, insurance, things that you don't want to forget. Kids are expensive. We all love kids, absolutely. But are they expensive? And the answer is yes. And a lot of people don't 
factor that in. You know, they, they find the person that they want to settle down with and spend the rest of their life. And we, we get it. But sometimes what I see is people start living, and that's why a lot of people change when they get married. They, they get, start getting overwhelmed with the pressure of the relationship. Just, you know, two people spending one budget sometimes. It's difficult for people, and I get it. So I'm not saying it's not. So um, with that said, uh, the show is going to change up all the time. And anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I will obviously talk a ton about Tesla and Apple because these are stocks that you own. And last week, I could do a a quick story on Tesla and tell you one analyst thinks it's going to go 30% lower. And then guess what? Today, I could do a story on Tesla and tell you one analyst thinks it's going to go higher. And by a lot. So... One of the things that I fear doing to you is getting you a little bit too caught up in the day-to-day. And trust me, I know it's really, really easy to think of yourself as a day trader. I think it's really, really easy to um, kind of jump into that world of, you know, this is, this is my, I'm smarter than Wall Street. And I just really, really want you to be careful with that one because... One analyst says it's 30% lower. One analyst says it's going to go higher. And guess what people are going to do? They're going to see what they want to see, right? So I need you to be real cautious with how you approach things. The hand-wringing over Tesla, is, it's, it's already dramatic. And as investors, you, know, you don't want a lot of drama. And as an individual, you don't want a lot of drama, so the analyst um, company called Berenberg raised its price target on Tesla, predicting the electric car maker will be able to meet its 25% gross profit margin forecast for its Model 3 and become positive for the company. The widespread assumption is that the Model 3 margins can be directly inferred from Model S slash X is inherently almost totally flawed. So this analyst is kind of getting into the, <clears throat> I think I'm more right than the other analyst. So one analyst cut the uh, price target to the low 200s. One analyst raised his price target to 500. And to me, that's a civil war. And I don't like that. Too much drama for me. One of them's going to be right. One of them's going to be wrong. And emotionally speaking, which one do I want to be right? The winner. Or let's say I am like got a pessimistic attitude. Then maybe I'll say the loser. And then suddenly I'm bringing my stuff into the table on my investments, my mental and my emotional, and that's never good. It's bad baggage. The analyst who's talking about the Model 3 today says, the Model 3 has significantly lower material costs versus the Model S since it uses a less expensive electric motor and takes away features such as air suspension and an aluminum body. He also thinks the labor cost is lower, and he just, I'm not saying that he's right or wrong. I'm saying that's how difficult this game can be at times. And you have to almost protect yourself so that you can say to yourself that, you know, uh, I've got a discipline. I invest every two weeks. I max out my 401k or my 403b. Um, I get that I'm going to get a pension, i.e. Social Security or a pension through my company. And, you know, I, I get where you're going with that. So stocks, oil, and the dollar are all rising. And that's kind of rare. Typically, 
the dollar and oil don't move hand in hand because when the dollar get weak, gets weaker, you can buy more oil. But everyone's super happy right now, and that makes investing easy. And again, that's why I try to throttle back your expectations a bit and say things along the lines of, of you know, try not to be emotional. If you cut down your mistakes, I'm not going to say you automatically win, but you certainly do better. Big old weekend of uh, mergers and acquisitions. One of them was tied in the weed industry. You're going to hear more and more stories about this, probably even commercials about investing in marijuana. All right, all Cannabis right. is poised to take 2018 by storm. Now's the time to put your money to work and invest in a trend. Cannabis is a huge business, $25 billion in the United States alone. Now, again, every business you have to evaluate. How's the accounting? How's the CEO? What's the business model? What, model, what, what are they going to get into at some point in time? What could be a problem? What if someone takes one of their, their gummy bears, their weed gummies, and loses his mind and you know, gets a gun, and they get sued? So the legal cannabis industry worth $6.7 billion right now, but it's going to climb to $25 billion in the U.S. alone by 2020. In Canada, and this is where you're going to hear a lot about it. Now, keep in mind, sometimes listing on a Canadian stock exchange is a little bit easier than listing on a U.S. stock exchange. Take off, you hosers. So they don't regulate it quite as much. So to know that, it's a wild, wild west. Cannabis is estimated to become an $8 billion market in Canada. In the U.S., it's $6.7 billion, And overall, it's going to be $25 billion in the U.S. coming up. With that kind of growth numbers, there's going to be investments. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on this show. And the Canadian leaf is not a marijuana leaf, although it's close the way it looks. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.